Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Baseball Podcast. Cameron Drummond along with Stefan Kreisnick coming to you from inside Franklin Hall. Going to be bringing you all the latest and greatest IU baseball news. It's a, it's a sunny day today, which is strange <laughs> because it hasn't been sunny very often here in Bloomington. We had a little sub-freezing temperatures, a bit of rain, some more havoc wreaked on the IU baseball schedule during the past week, but... The thing that stays consistent about this IU team is they keep winning. They uh, had a weekend sweep of the Butler Bulldogs, made it four in a row after their midweek victory at Indiana State. And, Stefan, we are now covering a top-10 baseball team with the D1 baseball rankings that came out earlier today, IU baseball, now the number-10 team in the nation. Yeah, and, I mean, some impressive wins here against Indiana teams. I think IU, as happy as they are about their wins, I think they're very happy that they were able to get four games in this week, it seems kind of like a miracle that they were able to play the games yeah not as scheduled but they played the games that were scheduled so improved their record of 20 and 5 coming off that uh weekend loss in a second game against the, in the doubleheader against Iowa yes yeah, the crazy thing about this is all this has gone down uh, you kind of more or less at the midway point of its season with a 20 and 5 overall record but only two of the games have come to Big 10 play and they're one and one against Iowa yeah i think that just shows how uh I guess later heavy the schedule is, and that's something that Lamonis had talked about even before the season began. The team knew how many Big Ten, big Big Ten games they had later in the season, as well as games against Louisville and Kentucky that come out are coming up here in May. So nonetheless, going to be a tough stretch coming ahead for IU, but they're winning right now, and that just makes it so much easier on you later in the season when you got a record, you got a resume that you built on early in the year. It's going to make it a little easier for you at the end of the year and now coming into this next week they have this midweek game that's supposed to be played against ball state uh we always leave an asterisk next to <coughs> next to the games nowadays because yeah would, so would this be the third straight time we've had confusing about a midweek game because the first time was right state and that was canceled, canceled yeah. last week was indiana state got pushed back a day so unfortunately we couldn't go to i'm gonna say this name wrong Terre Haute. yeah Terre Haute. Terre Haute. <laughs> and now um we have Non-ideal weather in the forecast for Muncie, Indiana tomorrow. We got oh, about a hundred percent chance of rain and thunderstorms, both in Muncie and in Bloomington, for the record. So that one's looking like a severe doubt as well. So the weather continues to not cooperate. But kind of to your point, I think what IU baseball learned this week is that it's better to play those non-conference games against Indiana schools rather than teams like Western Illinois and the Northern Illinois because IU was rewarded handsomely in the polls for their 4-0 showing this past week. We talked about how IU is now a top 10 team in the nation in terms of the D1 baseball top 25 rankings. Still, IU is the only Big Ten team in those rankings. They also went up in the Baseball America rankings, moved up a little bit from number 18 to number 16 in the country. You look at the USA Today coaches poll, IU finds itself 11th in the country, up from 16th, so that's a five-position point jump. But almost going back to the point a bit more about the quality of the teams that IU is beating, now IU finds itself in terms of the NCAA RPI standing at number 18 in the country, and that's a pretty significant increase considering the teams they beat this past weekend ending or this past week ending a nine-game uh, winning streak for Indiana State before going on to have the three-game sweep of Butler. Yeah, and we had kind of said going into the into the stretch of Indiana games that all these teams had pretty impressive records. They didn't play the best co level of competition coming in. I know Indiana State. Um, and Butler both had very impressive records, just not the not the toughest uh, level of competition coming in. But they're respectable teams. I, I think they, they did show that. Um, obviously, those last two games IU had against Butler kind of ended in blowout fashion. Um, the second game of the doubleheader was 13 to nothing. IU was able to win. And uh, the third game that came on Saturday, IU was able to win 10-3. But 
I don't think the score fairly represents how close that game really was. It kind of got away from Butler there at the very end. Uh, the first game of the doubleheader on Friday was a very back-and-forth game, I think 6-5. to five. And then that midweek game against Indiana State ended 5-3. to three. So, I mean, I IU played very well. I think that these, you know, these might not have been their most impressive wins of the year. But, I mean, coming off that stretch where they had that big home stretch against Cincinnati, Pacific, Western Illinois, Northern Illinois, and that doubleheader against Iowa – they were winning games, but they weren't looking their best. And I think that now, uh, after this four-game stretch with Indiana State and Butler, they looked really, really strong all around. Their defense struggled a little bit in the game one of the doubleheader against Butler. But aside from that, very strong all around. I think they're getting into, I mean, it's the middle of the season. They're getting into midseason form just like they could hope to be. And now with Big Ten play ahead of them, I think they're they're looking about just as good as they've looked all year. Right, the offense especially taking up a couple notches mm-hmm. as well. You, you know, when it look at, the performance against the Butler series, six runs, 13 runs, 10 runs, five runs in the Indiana State win. The the Iowa game is kind of a bit of an outlier just because of the really difficult weather conditions. I mean, those games were almost played in, like, what, 25, 30-degree weather. I mean, that was, was kind of the, was that was kind of the start of the awful weather that hit the Midwest. It right. started that weekend when they, IU played Iowa, and it's, it's continued throughout, and it's going to continue tomorrow. This weather is just awful right now, but... As you mentioned, that that second game against Iowa was an outlier because of the weather and simply because Pauli Milto, I mean, only went an inning in two-thirds, and that's mm-hmm. rarely going to happen for IU. So you can almost take that second game against Iowa and kind of throw it out the window, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot that can be gleaned from that. I mean, you talk about the recent performances as well. Winning in different ways, that first game against Butler was the walk-off victory. Then now he follows it up with two huge days on offense, going to 13 runs and 10 runs. And that's not even... Are you really clicking at at full tilt because you had that in the in the final game Saturday against Butler? You had you missing some opportunities in the second and third innings of the game to bust it open early on. But then when it gets around to the sixth and seventh innings when IU combines for six and seven runs, then they're not missing those opportunities. So they're not they're not falling into that habit that they did earlier this season of kind of repeatedly repeatedly struggling when it comes to timely hitting. They're they're clicking on on all cylinders now when it comes to scoring guys who are in. Uh, like running scoring position, man. Again, manufacturing useful outs, whether it's RBI ground outs, RBI uh, fly out sack flies, and we're seeing a bit of pop from the Sayo team too. Had Matt Gorski hit his first home run of the season as part of Saturday's win. Yeah, and I think that what I like that you said there was the thing about IU situational hitting, which had struggled, you know, and and getting productive outs. Uh, I'll use Luke Miller as an example this weekend. He went three for fourteen. But he only had, I think, one, maybe two strikeouts in that three-game stretch against Butler. So I think that's going to show earlier in the year it kind of seemed like Miller was either going to hit a home run or strike out for you. And now he's kind of turned that around, getting a lot less strikeouts. And it's important in situations where you got, let's say, a runner on second or a, gunner, or a runner on first and second to at least get him over to third and get yourself an opportunity for a sack fly or, you know, sacrifice bun if you want to do it after that. Um, so, so productive outs were definitely important for IU this weekend. And that kind of uh, – well, take me into something I wanted to talk about was uh, Justin. What do you want to talk about, Justin Stephon? Walker? Do you, I we'll mean, talk about Justin Walker. Let's talk first, about so, freshman infielder Justin Walker. So we had we had mentioned uh, last week that Jeremy Houston had been struggling for IU this week or this season, yes. and this week that we wouldn't be surprised if Lamonis had considered trying different players in that role. And after game, so in game one, Houston went over two and had two pretty big errors for IU in the field. So uh, Lamonis went ahead and benched him, put in Justin Walker. Who ultimately scored the game-winning run on a pass ball, and, and I this mean, was during the first game on Saturday. Yeah, this is the first game of the double, first game on Friday of the doubleheader, and um, I mean, 
Justin Walker's got great speed, and he showed great ability in the field as well, playing shortstop, which is a very tough position to play. So Lamonis went ahead and started him in Game 2, which was the first time in 70-plus 70, 70 consecutive games that Jeremy Houston hadn't started a game. So, it, I mean, it was a pretty big deal for Lamonis to go ahead and make that move. Uh, and Walker was definitely productive in that second game, getting some RBIs in the first inning, part of a five-run first inning. And then going back to the situational hitting, I mean, Walker in Game 3, he went 0 for 3, but he had two RBIs. So that's something that the team hasn't seen from Houston this year is, is productive outs. And even though Walker did go 0 for 3, didn't get a hit, and he didn't get a walk either, he was able to manage two RBIs. So just kind of going to show what the team's been able to do, especially this past weekend, is getting those situational outs. And, I mean, that, go, that goes to show with um, with Justin Walker. I mean, com combined, the, take those two last games of the Butler series that Walker actually started in, you know, four RBIs in two games for a guy who had not a ton of playing time before that this season is, is pretty significant. I mean, his only real highlight from earlier this year was a grand slam and a 18 to nothing win against Northern, Northern Illinois. Illinois. Right. And, I mean, obviously hitting a grand slam is very impressive. But aside from that, he hasn't really done much, been more of a – a speed guy for the team, put being put in you know pinch running situations, getting getting at bats every now and then. So for him to be able to come in and take Jeremy Houston's spot of all spots is pretty important. And I I think it's going to be interesting to see how Lamonis decides to go forward with this because well, he talked with us about that after the game on Saturday, and he basically said, "Look, Jeremy's a great kid, love him, hard worker, but he's not playing his best baseball right now." Put in Justin Walker. Justin Walker showing him a little bit of things, as we mentioned not only being solid in the field, but also being able to get those four RBIs in his two starts at the plate. And Chris Lowe's called it a great competition, but said that if Justin continues to play well, he'll keep getting the starts. And, I mean, obviously he'll go with whoever has the hot hand and whoever's going to fit into the team best. But Chris Lowe's basically said right now that's Justin Walker and not Jeremy Houston. Yeah, and you just want to go with the hot guy, I guess. I mean, it might even be a blessing in disguise for Houston to take a little bit of time off. I mean, like we said, he started – over 70 consecutive games, that's a, that's a strong especially workload. Especially for only a sophomore, too. Yeah, that's, especially, that's a constant grind since coming into college and yeah. adapting to the team. Yeah, so being able to get a few days off might might just be what Houston needs, and you know maybe now he'll have more time to focus in practice and and focus you know even during the games to be seeing what other guys are doing and kind of build off of that and you know turn his season around. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that his season's over, and I'm not saying that Justin Walker has claimed this spot for the remainder of the year and that it's a gone year for Houston. He can certainly turn it around and – it might just be a, a a mental thing. He just got to kind of get his brain around what's what's been going on recently, and he's maybe even seeing that there's competition for that spot. It might make him push himself a little harder and, and try to turn that around here. Right, and I mean, you look at the returns. Obviously, Houston hitting 164 in his 67 at bats this season isn't going to quite get done at the play. You combine that with his team, his seven errors. We also had some some more errors this weekend from Luke Miller, who actually leads the team with 11 errors, but. Doesn't look like Chris Lowe's is going to go for a change at third base, and that's largely because of the production that Miller can give you at the plate. He's hitting 275, 28 hits, so not quite the same thing there. But yeah, you can probably expect Justin Walker to at least keep starting for the next few games. I would imagine he would start if the game does go on as scheduled on Tuesday afternoon uh, in Muncie against Ball State, then perhaps the evening leading into this weekend series against the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, he's definitely a very exciting player. I think he he passes the eye test in, in sure, terms yes. of what he does. I mean. Just, I mean, his speed is ridiculous, and then when you put put that, you know, with his hitting, I mean, it has a, like I said, he's getting productive outs. He's only batting two oh seven on the year. He's only at twenty nine at bats, so it's a small sample size. But I mean, he's getting you timely. He's getting you situational outs, and I don't, I don't think he had an error in the, in the series against Butler. 
Let's see. He's got one error this year. I, I don't think that came against Butler, but don't don't quote me on that. Um, but I it's mean, a good thing this isn't an audio based program or anything <laughs> where quotes can be used. Oh, Cam, you're just a hater, Cam. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Is that what the kids are calling them nowadays? No, the kids. You're one of us kids. too. But definitely a great great weekend, I would say, for Walker, and I think he's definitely got to be excited now to ha- to get opportunities uh, in that starting role and and. I mean, I would expect him to start against Ball State and and even going into the Purdue series. So, it, it's gonna it's something that's one of those you know smaller headline stories throughout the season to pay attention to is what's gonna be going on with that shortstop spot and and I I like I said I think Houston can get it back if he kind of gets himself settled down and works on certain things. And Lamonis had said that they haven't really worked on Houston's swing much because. He thinks it's it's a good swing and it doesn't need much improvement, so it might just be, you know, what's going on in Houston's just a, head just, and just confidence things. Yeah, and just the years. and not letting that carry over to defense, which has also right. been a big problem. His his struggle on offense has carried over to struggle on defense, or vice versa, whichever way you want to look at it. So one thing's impacting the other, and I, I I think it's important to kind of to kind of get a little bit of time off for Houston. Right, and you know we talked about kind of the I mean any defensive issues that I used had in the infield through be it Luke Miller or Jeremy Houston, one place that IU continues to be really solid defensively this season is the outfield guys like Logan Kalitha, Matt Gorski, um, Logan Sowers. They've been, you know, perfect almost, aside from one or two errors in the outfield, you know, had some nice diving catches. Teams are seemingly quite afraid to run on them in terms of trying to advance from second to third or third to home. But that outfield has, in my mind, been a real stellar highlight of this IU team 25 games into the season. Yeah, we noted going into the year, Gorski, Gorski played a lot of first base <laughs> last year, um, but his traditional position was outfield, so he's kind of shifted back over to the outfield. We've seen him make a few blunders where he's dope for balls that maybe he shouldn't have dope yeah. for, and it's cost the team runs. But, I mean, we've seen that he, he's allowed to make certain play, certain, I guess, risky plays like that because they paid off, I think, uh, he, the, he's earned the right to make those decisions. Yes, yeah. And in that first, I think it was the first game against Butler, he had a, a diving catch at the wall, which was very, it, it would have been close to being a home run. It might have been off the wall, but nonetheless, it, it saved an extra base hit. So an impressive play there. We've seen him a couple times this year, gun guys out at the plate to save a run for IU. So he's played an outstanding left field, in my opinion, and he has earned the right to make risky de- decisions out there. And then going over to center field, Logan Kalitha's. I mean, came in, took that center field role, took the leadoff role, and has been nothing but stellar for IU. Uh, his batting average has dropped a little bit. He's struggling a little bit at the plate, but I think I think he'll be fine. I think it's just a you know got off to a hot start, kind of going a little bit of a slump here. I think he'll be okay. And I mean, again, made a few diving <laughs> catches in the outfield this past weekend. He's shown that his speed is such a big difference maker, whether it's on the bases or in the field. And then going over to right field, Logan Sowers kind of want to. Uh, I guess he he's got a bigger build than you would expect from a lot of outfielders. You could almost what, compare him to. What are you trying to, to say there? I'm what just saying say he's there? tall. He's a bigger guy. Okay. I'm not saying he's fat. Okay. But I'm saying he's a he's a big guy. I compare him more to a, a Stanton or an Aaron Judge rather than a Dexter Fowler type player. Okay, but that's he's he's definitely but he even he himself he picked. He's he himself fine. has played a very impressive outfield. He's made a lot of impressive plays out there and run saving or extra extra base hit saving plays. So overall, the IU outfield has been outstanding defensively and offensively as well so that's got that's got to make Lamona's pretty excited there and just kind of going off your note real quick about a guy who after you know talking about a batting average kind of you know starting off sluggishly and bringing it up a little bit talk about Matt Lloyd a guy who struggled the first really two or three non-conference tournaments slash series of the season 
come so far all the way up to a 305 batting average now 32 hits that's good enough to to lead IU at the plate leads the team only t- only player on the team in double figures with doubles has 10 doubles you know 21 RBIs leads the team in RBIs so after a bit of a slow start to the season Matt Lloyd is becoming the force on offense that we all knew he was yeah I think we all knew heading in that he had that ability and he played against them I mean IU played against some tough teams at the beginning of the season and and it's sometimes it's a you know pe- baseball players you quite often see them get into a little bit of a slump as I mentioned uh, Miller and Kalitha kind of uh, not doing right now what they've been doing throughout the season so it's good to see Lloyd turning around like I said that that's that's what we expected from him I mean he's got four home runs now he's got 21 RBIs so he's he's doing a good job in that second spot or that yeah the second spot in the lineup and it's helped him out to have guys like like Kalitha get on base in front of him and even at the bottom of the lineup we've seen Justin Walker be able to get on base here so I think he has turned around. He's got his batting average over 300, which is pretty – I mean, not pretty impressive. That is impressive. He's got his slugging percentage over 500. And his on-base is 360. I'm sure he'd want to see that go up a little bit. Um, he's only got eight walks this year, so maybe see a little more patience at the plate. But when you got a bat like him and the power like him, you know, you're able to go out there and swing on the first pitch fastball. And, and I think that's a lot of what he's been doing recently is being aggressive at the plate, and it's paid off for him. Right. Let's, uh, let's, let's switch gears a bit and just go – go on the mound where IU had another great weekend, not only in terms of its starting pitching, but also its bullpen as well. We talked about how IU was able to get done at the plate this weekend, but especially focusing on those last two games against Butler. You had a shutout for the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday, only allowing a couple runs in the game on, or excuse me, the second game on Friday, only allowing a couple runs in the game on Saturday. And it's kind of just, you know, business as usual, keep on keeping on for guys like John Stever and Polly Milto. I use two dominant starting pitchers with two more really solid performances. Yeah, in game one of that doubleheader, Stever didn't get the support from the defense that he needed. He gave up four runs, but only th- two of those were earned. So he kind of grinded through six innings against Butler. And I, I think he, he pitched very well, in my opinion. Continues the, to be an, an absolute strikeout machine yeah, and with he, 48 Ks and just 43 and a, a third innings pitched. In, in his few first few starts of the season, we were, we were wondering whether there was something going on there because he wasn't being the Friday night type guy. And he's definitely turned that around recently. He's been absolutely dominant. And like I said, that that line, that six innings and four runs, really doesn't go show how well he did pitch. He really had to grind um, in some tough situations with the defense not helping him out much. I mentioned those two errors from Houston, which were pretty costly. So I think Stever has really <laughs> turned around, proven that he can be strong. And then in game two of that doubleheader, Paulie Milto, who was coming off his worst performance of the season by far against Iowa, giving up, I believe it was five runs and an inning and two-thirds. Um, he he came out there, si- pitched six scoreless innings, and he only had three strikeouts, I believe. But I, it wasn't a great strikeout performance, I guess, from him. But in terms of being consistent, he got the run support early and just kind of cruised through those six innings and gave the bullpen an opportunity to close the deal for them, which they were able to do. So from the one in, from the one A and the one B with Stever and Milto, a great weekend from them. And then you, know, you want to talk about Manis a little bit? Yeah, well, I might as well touch back on Stever real quick and just talk about how effective he's been at striking guys out. Look at all games across Big Ten pitchers so far this season. Stever leads the conference with 48 total strikeouts, leads the conference with 22 guys caught looking to strike him out. And, you know, he's just been such a welcome presence in terms of consistency as the Friday night guy. I mean, he's not just setting the table for Milto. He's I mean, almost any other staff in this conference, he's the number one guy. Yeah, and and when I when I had talked to him about <laughs> that, actually, he had said that last season helped him a lot in terms of getting comfortable in that Friday night role and understanding his role on the team. And then 
When I asked him about his ability to get be a strikeout pitcher as opposed to getting those ground outs and fly balls, he had mentioned how how he's confident in his pitches and it, it's important for him to go out and get 0-1-0-2 and get that batter in an uncomfortable position so then he can go to his off-speed pitches, the pitches that he feels most confident in striking guys out with. And so I guess just for him, being aggressive, going out there, throwing strikes early in the count and setting him up for those strikeouts that we've seen has paid off this season. And as you alluded to a second ago, Connor Manis got the got the start on Saturday for IU second start of the season for him. Was was very solid for a freshman or excuse me for a freshman but a first year guy with the Hoosiers. Five innings pitched, only gave up five hits, two earned runs, no strikeouts, but I mean he he was solid. Had some had some jitters in the first couple innings when Butler went out and took an early two nothing lead in the game, but but he was solid, settled in really well, four scoreless innings of those five, you know, the second, third, fourth, fifth innings. And he'll be a nice pitcher for IU in the coming years as well. Yeah, that's I believe that's the <coughs> second time or second time in the last few starts that he's had that he's given up a first inning run, but he's shown his ability to turn around and not give up, not to let that you know snowball effect into the next few innings, which I believe was huge for him, especially um, for IU. You know, get lose or trailing two nothing early. Early in the game, it, it, it's tough to rebound from that, even though IU has shown that can rebound from that. So it was important for him to kind of go out in that second inning, shut them down, and then third, fourth, fifth inning, and then hand it over to the bullpen, which was able to do what they have been doing all season. So I think overall he can be happy with, with his performance. Maybe work on that first thing a little bit. You don't, you can't always bank on being able to turn it around like that, and you don't you don't want to be in that early hole, which we've seen IU has been able to come back from, but, but it's not an ideal situation by any circumstance. So... Kind of maybe working on that first inning a little bit and going out and getting a strong start, but in the in the last few starts that he's had, he's been very impressive trying to claim that midweek role. So I think he can be happy with how the, how this weekend went for him. And the IUD and uh, excuse me, the IU bullpen has continued to be such a such an asset for Chris Lamonis and company so far this season. Got BJ Sable made another appearance this past weekend. Now eight appearances this year, still no runs allowed, no earned runs allowed, a zero ERA in his ten innings. Cal Kruger with his sixth win now. He leads everyone in the Big Ten Conference in terms of wins. He's got a 6-1 record this season. And even guys, you know, Cam Beecham came in and gave some more good innings. Brian Hobby, uh, you know, uh, Tommy Summer. So this IU bullpen is still clicking at such a an effective rate for this team that once you have a starter giving you anywhere between five to seven innings, you got guys like Kruger and Sable and Beecham right there. Yeah, and definitely I want to talk about Kruger in the first game. Um he first game of the doubleheader, he came in in the eighth and ninth inning and had some tough situations um, with the game being tied, and he was able to pitch around them and kind of help the team preserve that lead, which ultimately led led to that walk off victory. So uh, he's been very impressive for the team. He had a little bit of a stretch there where he struggled, maybe two or three appearances where he struggled a little bit, but I think he's turned it around in his in his last couple appearances. And I mean, as you mentioned, six wins and. Whether you think the win-loss stat for pitchers is fair or not, um, for a guy coming out of the bullpen, I think it, it, it's fair to look at. And having six wins this year just goes to show how clutch he's been for the team because he, he's not coming in in those 13 to nothing situations. He's coming in when the games are one run or, or one run deficit or they're up by one or it's a tie game. So he's pitching in some tough, tough circumstances. He's coming in and getting guys out of jams. So definitely been a strong arm out of the bullpen for IU. And I want to note uh, Andrew Solfrank pitched two games or two innings in the second game against Butler. He went two scoreless innings. He had some control issues, gave up two walks in, in those innings, but gave up no hits. And for a guy who's who was expected to be this to be in contention for the Sunday start, if not the midweek starter, um, 
he he struggled a little bit this year. His ERA is up o- over five, I think, close to, close to six. Um, but for him to be able to go out there and get those two scoreless innings against Butler, I think, was big for his confidence. And and he might be another lefty arm coming out of the bullpen that I you can rely on later in the year. Yeah, no, for sure. You talk about a guy who you know, probably had maybe a bit higher aspirations than something like just being a bullpen guy. Maybe thought he was gonna be part of the regular rotation. He's come in and give great, great bullpen innings for IU this season. And I mean, even past the guys that have pitched the most, you still have, you know, Matt Lloyd's only made one appearance this season. I mean, that's not even anything out of the fault of his own. It's just IU almost hasn't even had that many save opportunities because the games have either been won in walk-off fashion or by, like, something six, like six or seven runs. Yeah, and I mean, that just – I guess it goes to show how much firepower this IU offense has. And and even when the games are close, as we mentioned, that uh, 10-3 victory they had on Saturday against Butler, they, it was, they were trailing going into the six. They were trailing – uh, four to three, and then they were able to come back from that and win the game. Um, or they were trailing three to two, and then they were able to win the game ten to three. So I think just just goes to show that this team can produce a lot of runs at a quick pace and and kind of come at you out of nowhere. So we have not seen situations where Lloyd has had to come in and get get the save. He's got two saves this year, um, and he's got a win, but. And, and he's a reliable arm for when IU does get in that situation where they're going to need. I mean, these games against Big Ten, we can kind of assume, are going to be some pretty close games where we, we might see, see some more action out of Lloyd. But I think right now, Lamonis has to be happy with the fact that this offense is getting getting them runs and not putting them in safe situations where he can rest Lloyd and Lloyd can kind of focus on that offense. And then when the time comes, you know, in these closer games, the Big Ten games, or even the games against kentucky louisville notre dame where you might need lloyd he's going to be available and he's going to have a very rested healthy arm going into that yeah as much as iu has focused on you know becoming the or cementing itself as the dominant team in indiana with this stretch of games against your indiana states ball states purdue's um even despite that iu has got his eyes focused on playing its best baseball of the season when it matters most that's conference play and that's in those non-conference games as well against louisville and kentucky where IU can really improve its stock not only in RPI terms but also in the rankings terms and positioning itself for a potential regional or super regional to be played at Bart Kaufman Field. Yeah, and I think they've shown early in the year in games against uh, Oklahoma, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama that they're very capable of winning tough games and they're capable of grinding out three-game series. Or as we saw, I mean, you can kind of look at the stretch where they played Indiana State and Butler. It was four straight days with with games but well actually no never mind because that one game got rained out against Butler forced a doubleheader right yeah but I mean nonetheless they've shown that they can grind out a series against the team and going into Big Ten competition that's what you're going to have to do and and they have you know having Steven Milto is so important to the team because those bullpen guys are able to rest so if your Sunday starter let's say it's Manis or B-Camp whoever it may be if they struggle your bullpen is rested because they they didn't need to pitch as much uh, Friday and Saturday so that's important to the team, you know, going into Big Ten play is that they know that they got their 1A and their 1B who's, that's going to be able to set them up for uh, for wins on Friday and Saturday and then help them out when the bullpen needs to come in on Sunday to potentially get a series sweep or, you know, let's say you drop one of those games, you pick mm-hmm. up pick up a series win. And kind of looking around the rest of the Big Ten Conference as well as IU gets ready to enter Big Ten Conference play back again later this week. Of course, we have, you know, the non-conference game that's supposed to go on against Ball State, but then those three games against the Purdue Boilermakers will be conference games, and 
Right now, based on win percentage, you have Purdue tied for top of the conference with the Michigan Wolverines, both of them with 3-0 and conference records. Then comes Illinois and Rutgers, both at 4-2. and Ohio State, Minnesota, Maryland, all 2-1. and Iowa, 3-2. and Then you have Indiana all the way back in. That makes it ninth place in the conference with a one on, with a one and one record, and then you have some of the teams that you'd expect to filter towards the bottom of the conference: your Nebraska, your Northwestern, excuse me, Penn State's, Michigan State's. So it's important for you to really start amassing these Big Ten wins here, right? As as conference play begins to pick up again, and those wins against Purdue will look a bit nicer, considering that the Boilermakers are off to such a hot start in Big Ten conference play after they. Uh, you know, started their time in the Big Ten this season with a sweep of the um, who did they sweep? The Nittly Lions. They did. They did sweep Penn State. Penn State. So a convincing yeah. sweep too. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I mean, Penn State's <coughs> struggling a little bit this year, but nonetheless, being able to sweep a team in your conference on the road is is impressive and tough to do. And we we've seen Butler uh, this season. They got off to a hot start, then they hit of a hit a stretch of. Oh, man, it was like six or seven straight losses where yeah. it kind of started going downhill again. And so I think it's important that for them to have been able to get that sweep against um, Penn State. And they had picked up a win against Valpo before that. So now they're coming in with a coming into this week with a five-game winning streak. So I think Purdue has shown this year that they're a respectable team. And they're a team that could be in the top five, top four of the Big Ten Conference. That, that losing streak was obviously much less than ideal for them. But... They showed early in the year they have the capability. They uh, split two games uh, against Notre Dame, who was ranked number 30 at the time. And kind of looking at their stats, they got three three regular starters that are batting 337. It's kind of weird that they're all batting exactly 337. <laughs> um, and then they got they got a guy batting, let's see, 260. So most of their guys There's are batting. a lot batting, of math being thrown yeah, out by Stefan right now. a lot now. of math coming out here. I'm trying to do a lot quick math in my head. Um, They got, <laughs> I mean, I'll mention uh, – Fellow LC grad who's a freshman okay, at Purdue. Another he's, region shout-out. He's got another region shout-out. He's got three home runs this year. He's batting 257, so Ben Nissel. Um, so they got power in their lineup, and they got they got a lot of contact also with the high batting averages. So I, I think they've shown that they're a respectable team this year. Yep. And their starters, I mean, let's see. I'm not sure who their Friday <laughs> – yeah, yeah. Their Friday starter appears to be Tanner Andrews, and then their Saturday starter would be Garrett Straw, who – I mean, Straw has a – 312 ERA and Andrews has a ERA below two. So, I mean, Purdue's got a pretty decent team they put together here. They might not have the record that they hope to have, but they kind of just had that tough stretch of games. So, it's not going to be an easy, easy weekend against Purdue. And I think I, I, I think Purdue's a little better than Butler is. Yeah. And Butler put up a pretty tough fight as well. So, and I mean, it's IU versus Purdue. That's that's a rivalry. That's a lot of pride in those the games. Governor's and, Cup. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna give it all. Positive the, a point for the Governor's <laughs> Cup. <laughs> they're gonna give it all they got, so so definitely gonna be an interesting series coming up. I was also gonna give it all the guys. The IDS Sports Intramural Softball Team later tonight yeah. <laughs> behind Foster Hopper on the the old sem- uh, well, what do you call those fields? I don't know. This, whatever. The point is, we're gonna play softball tonight. Yeah, we're gonna play softball. Much you like go, I you're gonna show up tonight. Give it a great, I'll show up tonight. Well, Cam Cam decided not to show up last game, so yeah. we only had to play with nine. We're, we're preserving our which energy, which gave us an automatic to, out. We're preserving every our time energy to deliver around. this great IU baseball coverage to all of you listeners at home. <laughs> uh, just touching on the Big Ten real quick, we talked about you know how IU is the class of the conference, really only team ranked consent across the board in these top twenty-five polls. But right now, no team's hotter than the Michigan Wolverines, winners of their last twelve games, going off sweeps of Bowling Green. Michigan State to begin Big Ten play, and most recently Delaware, 
the Wolverines find themselves top of the conference and also with a nice overall record of 16 and 11, given that they had a bit of a slow start to the season with 11 of the of their 12 home games being wins as well. So that's something to potentially look out for later in the season is just seeing how the trajectory of that of that Michigan team goes, how far, how long that that win streak goes for them. IU um, isn't going to end up running into Michigan during conference play this season, but they may very well do so during the the conference tournament in Omaha. Yeah, I I think that just goes to show that, you know, IU's been the favorite (laughs) in the Big Ten all season, but, I mean, the Big Ten is still the Big Ten. you got some great athletes playing for these teams, and anything can, especially in the sport of baseball, anything can happen. So as highly ranked as IU is and as high high as their expectations might be in conference play and and in the standings of the Big Ten Conference, you got to look out for your competition. You can't take it easy against anyone, and – that starts, you know, this weekend with Purdue, and we saw um, two weekends ago against Iowa that, you know, Big Ten competition is Big Ten competition. You're not just going to breeze by those teams. That was really meta. Thank you for that. Yeah. I feel more, like, inclined more, with my inner, more educated. My inner zen now. I, I think that. Cam Cam is the biggest hater of the things I have to say all the time. I just like, I just like to <laughs> I, I say I call him like I see him, man. <laughs> well. It's all right, Cam. I'll I'll let it slide this time. Oh, this time. Thank you. It was you also a pretty uh, pretty impressive weekend for IU sports overall. Yeah, I mean, what, what, women's you want to talk about women's basketball, basketball yeah. won the WNIT, and I, I didn't I, know that. I think I think that you know, Tyra Bus played outstanding. I was, I was giving I was giving game coverage during that, so you were. Excuse me. Yeah, why well, I took the, I occupied. took both. I took eight, 18 innings on Friday. <laughs> all right, you know how tired my arm was after that. Imagine pitching eighteen innings. Cam. Okay, that was exciting. tired of tweeting. And I mean softball. Softball swept Michigan State. They're six and zero in conference. Yeah, play. talk about the IU sticking ball. The other the IU sticking ball sports right now. IU yeah. twenty and five. <laughs> On the baseball side, I think softball after a bit of a rough start. Yeah, their, o- their play, overall record is in the best. Six and zero and six and zero in conference play. Sweeps yeah. uh, at home against a ranked Ohio State Ohio team State and a sweep at Michigan State. We're gonna have to get uh, Philip Steinmetz, <laughs> our softball reporter, out here and just call this the IU sticking I mean, ball podcast. A lot of. I mean, it's a lot of. Imp- I mean, sports overall is just exciting right now. We got the national championship tonight. Um, well, this is being recorded on this is Monday. on Monday. You know, we usually yeah. like to leave time markers out of these things <laughs> so you can enjoy it whenever. But Stefan just ruined that. So yeah, I'm sorry. well, you know, you got the national championship um, opening day just started. My White Sox are two and zero, so that's pretty exciting. Two and zero. Speaking on of o- speaking of opening day for baseball, let's talk about everyone's favorite large adult son, Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> Starting up with the Cubs, the Cubs split their first series of the season. They had a four game set. In Miami against the Marlins, the Cubs went two and two during that series. But Kyle Schwarber had a pretty solid series to begin his 2018 season. The I don't know what you call it, the, the the newly slimmed down Kyle Schwarber after yeah, I mean after his offseason yeah, weight loss for sure. But yeah, he, he oh go ahead sorry yeah I mean he he looked impressive in that series <laughs> against Miami. He had one home run, two home runs, two home runs. So you know over the four game series he had five hits, two homers, two doubles, and he is the I mean after four games everything's taken with a grain of salt, but he's the leader for the Cubs in terms of slugging percentage at the time of the podcast recording with an 867 slugging percentage. Which yeah. Is, and also leads the team in home runs with those two. He struggled. I saw, I saw he had one one tough play in the outfield um, where he I mean he just straight up botched the, botched the base hit that was to him. He just let it go to the wall. So I think that's one thing he's going to have to continue to prove on is his play in the outfield, his play in left field, which hasn't always been the strongest. And I think the Cubs of all NL teams wouldn't mind a DH spot simply, you know, for that. But <laughs> I mean, he's shown the power, and he he's slimmed down. He's got some pretty decent speed now. I saw he made. There was a play. They were down six nothing in the eighth inning, and he slid into face real specific head right first now. in the first base. I mean, he's he's showing some speed. He's slimmed down. He's looking really good right now for the Cubs. Um, coming off of last season, so I think I mean, 
IU baseball has to be impressed with what they've seen from him and has to be happy with what they've yeah, seen sure. from him. So tie that back to IU baseball. But I think the Cubs also has to have to be uh, happy with that. White Sox fans maybe not as happy, but he's an IU baseball guy, so I can root for Kyle Schwarber, right? Sure. <laughs> you can root for whoever you want, Stefan. <laughs> Thanks. How are the Rangers doing? Uh, are they two and zero? Oh? One and three. Are they two and zero oh at the time of the podcast? They are. They are not. <laughs> they, are, they are one and three because they are not very good. Craig Deedle is in the White Sox system. <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be called up this year, but he had a pretty decent spring. He had a home run. Incredible insight. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Craig Deedle hit a home run. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know if this is the first place. It happened during spring training. Anywhere else? You probably heard it somewhere else first, but. But I bring it. I this is the first time you heard it on the podcast. So IU baseball's got the game against Ball State, <laughs> the three game set against Purdue. Then we're gonna try and play another game against Indiana State on the tenth, which would correspond to next Tuesday. So we'll talk to you before then. But Stefan, for these four games coming between this podcast and our next podcast, what are we thinking? Well, I said that they would go seven and two in this nine game stretch. I am backing down from that um, okay. because they swept Butler. So you're a liar. So I'm a, I'm a liar. Uh, no, I'm 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 a guy with less pride than most people have. I think. <laughs> so I'll back down from what I initially said. So let's see. We got Ball State and Purdue. Man, I think they'll beat Ball State, and I'll I'll say I'll say they'll sweep to Purdue. Yeah. So four now then. Yeah, I'll say four now. Four now. Yeah, Let's I say three and one, so I don't jinx them. They'll lose one game against Purdue. Yeah, I think three and one. I mean, Purdue's, Purdue's not a bad ball club. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I I don't think they're gonna. If that game in Muncie does go on, I don't think they lose that game. I think they'll take care. Yeah, of Yeah, I'd be I'd fine. be pretty surprised. Uh, it'd be interesting though, because then didn't they throw <coughs> out B B B camp in that game against Butler, the last game? Didn't he come out of the bullpen? Yeah. He did. Yeah, it'll be so, in, it'll be interesting to see who's, who they're gonna who start. Starts yeah, for this midweek game. I could see maybe Andrew Salfink picking up a start. Yeah, Tuesday at, at Ball State. Or they that, could they could just go with one of their bullpen games again. I guess they didn't really. But, use I mean, well, Andrew Salfink starting would probably most likely be kind of a bullpen game. I mean, you, I don't yeah, think, I, would, I wouldn't expect them to go more than five innings. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess I mean in theory, if if the pitching does struggle against Ball State, I guess they could lose the game. But I, I'd be very surprised if they did. And then yeah, that three game series against Purdue. I mean, at least two out of three. I mean, Purdue is a good team, but I, I could see them taking two out of three. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd probably go three and one as well. I can see Purdue probably taking a game. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a rivalry. Butler could have very well taken that first game against yeah, IU. Yeah, I mean, IU was very lucky to get that first win against, but it was it was an ugly game for both teams. There was five total errors in that game. It was right. just a sloppy game, and then the next game was 13 to nothing. So. But if IU just kind of – if it means they can conti- consistently get two out of the three – Mm-hmm. Victories in these Big Ten series. And that's what, yeah, that's what you want to do. Makes in a sweep or two yeah. here or there. Yeah. Look at you know some of the possibilities later on in the season. Northwestern at home, that's maybe a sweep. Illinois at home, yeah, they're maybe I a mean, sweep. Their Minnesota home schedule, the road, that's home schedule isn't the toughest, difficult. but but their road schedule is pretty different. I mean, Nebraska's a respectable team. Minnesota, right, was probably the 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 second highest ranked team going into the season. Not exactly sure on that. And then you got games. At home against Kentucky, which is going to be a very <laughs> tough game, and Louisville. Yeah, those Kentucky and Louisville games for sure. Yeah, yeah, those major are RPI standing for games, sure, but. for sure. So, I mean, definitely. I mean, if you're an IU baseball fan, come out to these games. There's going to be some exciting games going on here. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah, love it. That's my insight. Exciting games to come. All right. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the weather will stay away. Hopefully we'll have some more sunshine. Hopefully the games will stop being played in 35 degree weather and rain, which would be great for the media and the fans alike. <laughs> but four more games for IU baseball this week. Again, Ball State, 
hopefully Tuesday afternoon. Stefan will probably be your man for that, considering IU football's pro day is Tuesday as well. Yeah, I'll be man. outside Mellencamp covering that. I'm and then man. we'll figure it out. We'll be sure to let you guys know who's covering the Purdue series. If you follow us on Twitter, at Drummond 97 and at SKreisnick3, along with our Twitter handles, at IDS News and at IDS underscore sports, as long as visiting at IDSnews.com as well. We'll be sure to have all your IU pick up a paper too. Covered. Yeah, pick up a pick up a newspaper. Reading is healthy. That's good for you. Pick up a paper on Thursday. Pick up a paper on Thursday. <laughs> we have some fun IU baseball yeah. feature content dropping. Yeah. Not gonna say who it's about, but nope. you guys are enjoyed. I'm pretty sure. But for sure. Christopher Christ, Nick, I'm Cameron Drummond signing off from Franklin Hall. Thanks for listening as always. Take care.